Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. Series on the book of Romans. This is a very profound book that deserves maybe a year or two preaching every single weekend on verse by verse. So we are daring to cover the book of Romans in only four to five weeks. And we understand that if we grasp the message of the book of Romans, our families will never be the same. Our church will experience revival. All revivals, all revivals in history somehow had the study of Romans as part as the raw material that is sparked that, that movement. Speaking about the church reformation. Martin Luther finding the studies of St. Augustine in the book of Romans. Just brought to us back the sense, the revelation of justification by faith. Years later, years later in the 18th uh, century, two brothers, Charles and John Wesley found the, the study of Martin Luther in the book of Romans and it sparked the Methodist evangelical revival that somehow are still on, is still on. Every movement of God, every church that experiences revival dove in the, in the book of Romans and found truths that were so delivering, so powerful, that changed everything, the communities around. And now we are daring to step in this holy ground with humble hearts because we are not ashamed of the gospel. With your eyes closed, Father, we pray for revelation. We pray for light in our darkness. Let the life of God invade areas that are dead, morbid, still inside of us. And let us receive revelation. Let the eyes of our hearts be open. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that we speak, you we speak, as we read and meditate in the book of Romans. We pray in the name of Jesus. And the church said, Amen. Amen. All right. A background. So the letter of Romans was written by this guy called Paul. Okay, He was saved in a very extraordinary way. Going to kill Christians, Jesus himself showed up to him. And you know what? Jesus did not evangelize Paul. Why not? Like, how's that? Why Jesus did not evangelize Paul? No, Jesus sent Paul to a brother, Zechariah, and asked him to pray for Paul. And as this brother evangelized Paul, now he was saved. How he was saved? He was exposed to the gospel, exposed to this powerful message. Paul, now a believer, a disciple maker finds brothers coming from Rome, more specifically, Prisca 
or Priscilla and Aquila or Aquila. They are fleeing from Rome because the governor Claudius prohibited any Jewish, any Jew that were living inside of Rome to stay in Rome. They have to leave Rome. And Paul finds this couple and builds a, a ministry with them. And this prohibition of, uh, of Jews in, in Rome makes actually the church in Rome to have a problem. And you wonder, who planted the church in Rome? How in the world there were even Christians in Rome? We don't find anything in the book of Acts that explain it. But the scholars have a clue that maybe some of the visitors from Rome that was in Jerusalem in the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 verse 10, they went back to Rome and he started a life group and he started a small group. And that small group multiplied and became a church. Now that church was made with Greeks non-Jew, Gentiles, and Jewish people as well. But when this governor kicked the Jews out of Rome, the church uh, had no influence whatsoever from Jewish culture. Years later, the Jew brothers are allowed to come back to Jerusalem, and they find the church eating bacon, enjoying a good ham in the morning. And you know, kosher diet does not allow this. So the Jewish brothers get very scandalized and say, you guys are no Christian at all. You guys are not respecting the Sabbath. You guys don't respect the Jewish holidays. How you dare call yourself a Christian? And the brother says, what are you talking about, bro? We're so free. You know, when we received Jesus, he made us free and free indeed. Hallelujah. But obviously that creates division disruption, but Paul was counting that the church in Rome will be a strong headquarters for his mission in Spain. So he says, I have to fix this problem because when I had the chance to go in Rome, I don't want to find a divided church. I want to find a strong gospel-centered church, a church that is united, pay attention, not on their ethnicity, not on their food preferences, and I dare to say, not even in the language they speak. It's important to say this because We Vine Church is a very diverse church. We speak Creole, we speak Portuguese, we speak Spanish, we speak in English, hallelujah. We try at least. And we are very diverse among us. And I have my preferences, Pastor. I like some, some uh, rhythms and some tones of music that I like to dance and shout and maybe even samba. <laughs> but, Pastor, I like more quiet song. And, Pastor, you know, that's maybe not the church for me. So pay attention on this. What should unite us is not our personal preferences, where we came from, but the message we believe in, the message we preach the gospel is what binds us all together. And that's why Paul, in this profound letter, he expounds the gospel. He says, if you get the gospel, all this division is going to go away and all your personal preferences are going to put it aside. If we get the grace of God, we're going to be a strong church. We're going to be the church. Actually, what makes us different than any 
social club, membership-affiliated clubs out there like Rotary, Lions, and even the Freemasons, whatever you want to call them. The, it's that we are not just gathering because we like each other or because our hairstyle is the same. What makes us together is the message we believe, is the message we preach. It is the gospel. So that's why we are not ashamed of the gospel. Now, it is important also to say that if there is any other reason why we gather in this place, we should put it aside as a side conversation. Let me explain what I mean. Our church is not against self-help strategies, therapy, inner healing, counseling, um, what else? Um, support, therapy, uh, self-improvement strategies, coaching. All these has its place, but not here in this stage. Not here in our life groups. Why not, Pastor? Because all these that I just mentioned, you can find it easily in any bookstore, Christian or non-Christian. You can go to any website, any of these portals, uh, uh, NBC or TV shows. You're going to find all these resources. They are okay. They're welcome and they have its place. But not the center of our message. Please understand what I'm saying. I'm not against. But also, I will not going to give a stage for all these things when they have already many stages. But the gospel needs to be the center, the centrality of everything we speak. And actually, this is my first point. The centrality of the gospel. The centrality of the gospel. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation. To everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Say, I am not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. Say, Amen. Verse 17 says, For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous, everybody say with me, the righteous shall live by faith. Remind your neighbor, say, the righteous shall live by faith. So Paul explains this theology, this eternal truth of the gospel, to bring people back to the centrality of this message. Some scholars even call the book of Romans the fifth gospel. Yeah, we, we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The gospel of Emmanuel, God among us, Jesus in flesh. But the gospel of God, Romans chapter 1 verse 1, the gospel of God, Romans 1 1, is here, Romans. It is the resurrected Christ in us. And we are servants of this resurrected Christ Jesus. We are called to be apostles, proclaimers. Speakers, spokesperson, we are called to be an apostle. Set apart for this message. Again, pay attention, guys. 
the message that set us apart from this bipartisanship. Give me the word. No. Parties, parties, parties. The division of parties. The controversies of the world. What set us apart from the conspiracists, from the crazy bad news of the world, is that we have a message in our mouth. We have a message, a word, a talk, a conversation that set us apart. And that is the gospel of God. Are you guys with me? So the gospel, as Paul says, is the fulfillment of all God's promise to Israel. The Old Testament is a huge metaphor, is a great allegory of what God fulfilled in the gospel. When the church understands, when the church grows, when the church seeks deeper the gospel, all the fights, all the divisions, all the arguments goes away. Philippians chapter 127, Paul saying, And let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So whether I come and see you or I am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. So, I don't know uh, how it's in Spanish, but I think it's the same as Portuguese. We, the Christians that are gospel-centered, call ourselves evangelicals. Evangelicals. We call ourselves people of the gospel. Because the word gospel in the original is Eugelian. It's very close in Latin, in Portuguese, and Spanish, and Italian too. Evangelical. Why? Because we are the gospel center people. But also there is a nickname that we, uh, we were actually named in Brazil, in Latin America. We are the believers. That's how they call us. Nós somos os crentes. We are the believers. So we like to say that we are the evangelicals believers. We are the gospel center believers. That's how they actually the world call us. Because there are some beliefs so-called Christians out there, but are them gospel-centered. So tell to your neighbor, you are a gospel-centered believer. Say, I am a gospel-centered believer. That's your name. I know, I know here in America, to identify a more committed, a more church-goer person, we call, oh, this is a born-again Christian. Oh, this is a church-goer Christian. As is, there is any other option to be Christian, right? But I understand you because this happens pretty much in every Western country, okay, that has Christianity as embedded in the culture. Like, they are Christians and Christians, right? We, we know this. But uh, the, to be totally in the Romans style, it's better to call, I am a gospel-centered believer. Because the justification, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith in the gospel. So we need to be a gospel-centered church full of believers. Amen. Romans 1.18 
For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What in the world, Pastor? I thought it was Eugelian. I thought it was good news. Actually, the Anglo-Saxon world that brought gospel comes from God's spell. It's God giving us good news. But now I read in Romans that the wrath of God is revealed and that all have seen. That's the point. No one will take medicine until they are completely convinced they are sick. No one receives good news if they don't get the bad news first. So the book of Romans gives us it all. Gives us the bad news so we can embrace the good news and say, Thank you, Jesus. You saved me and I know I did not deserve. But many people take, take it for granted. And that's a big problem when we are exposing the gospel. When we want to bring good news for those that never heard first. They, they are short. They are away. They are separated from God. No, 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 Pastor. What do you mean about this? I thought that everybody are children of God. You're wrong. Only those who believe receive the right to become children of God. John chapter 1. Without the faith followed the gospel preaching, there is no birth again. There is no new birth. You have to believe we embrace the good news because we know there are so many bad news and i know bad news attracts more than good news actually research said that 90 percent of all the news you read usually are bad news and this is a strategic thing it seems that we, we have cravings for, we incline, we tend to seek bad news more than good news. But this book is the good news. And the good news tells us if we believe, if we place our faith in the right person, in the right message, we are made right before God. That's why the person of this message is so central as well. That's my second point. The centrality of Jesus. The gospel of God is about or all about Jesus. If your life is focused in something else, it's time to put Jesus in the center. I know that we, we need emotional support. We need... Um, discipleship, we need counseling, we need so many things. But if this message is true, what we need is Jesus. And we need to bring Jesus back to the center of our conversation. We need to bring Jesus back to the beginning of our conversation and the end of our conversation. What I mean is this. Somebody going to talk with you about his or her financial situation. It's very struggling. It's very hard. You know, the uh, stimulus check is not helping much. And they start to talk about the president, about the politicians, about the economy. They are names, na named. They are names referred in the conversation. It is your duty. It is your call. Among all these names, bring one name in the middle of the conversation. Bring Jesus back in the conversation. Jesus is going to change this. 
Or if you just believe at the end, Jesus is going to change your circumstances. Just, just release the name of Jesus in the middle of your conversation. We need to bring Jesus back to the center of our lives. Let me give another example. So the couple is discussing. They are in a disagreement of how to raise their rebellious boy. Boys, always boys. And they, you know, having a hard time with the boys. I, I just feel, you know, pity on those that have six boys. It's so hard, six boys. <laughs> and they are discussing, right, and having this disagreement of how to raise six boys. And they discuss of what they have read, what James Dumpson had written in Focus on the Family, what they heard in the podcast. But in the end, among all the names refer, name Jesus. Jesus is going to touch our boys. Jesus has a purpose for these boys. Jesus is going to make them men of God. So, so I want us, as we are a gospel-centered believer's church, we bring Jesus back to the center. Romans 8, 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed the image of his son. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. The perspective of Romans is the finished work on the cross. It's in this perfect past tense that says that in Christ... The work is done. In Christ, we are already glorified. The point is, we need to come back to Jesus. And I know that a lot of brothers, they focus so much in the filthiness, in the dirt of their lives. But Jesus cleaned you. You are a purified water. You were made new. You are a clean water. Now pay attention. The goal of God is that you have His sweetness. The goal of God is that you had His fire burn inside of you. Jesus wants you to make you a tea. Not only still water. Not only unflavored water. He wants you as sweet as a good brewed tea. But to turn water into tea, you have to put on fire and mixed with the herbs. Jesus mixed with you. Burning inside of you, bringing taste and flavor back into your life to the point that nobody remembers that that liquid was once a water because now it became something else. Your life is mingled, mixed, is blended together with the essence of Christ to the point, to the point that people will not gonna know you as only a follower of Christ. The church in Antioch in Acts chapter 11. They were so blended with Jesus, so mixed with Jesus, that they were not only followers of Jesus. That's what it means, disciple. They were not only a fan, okay? YouTube followers of Jesus. They were so much blended with Jesus that they were called Christians. They were called little Christs. They were called Christ. They were mixed with Jesus, and that's how we are meant to be. Our taste, our temperature, who we are is mixed with identity. We were predestined to be conformed, take the shape of 
the Son of God. The goal is Christ in us. The more we grow in the revelation of the gospel, more from the positional aspect, we're going to get into the experience of Christ in us. Colossians chapter 127 tells us the mystery that was hidden for generations, but now is revealed, but now is manifested, which is Christ in you. Say with me, Christ, Christ. In, you. in you. Tell to your neighbor, Christ in you. Christ. The hope of glory. That's the hope of this world is Christ in us. Now, pastor, I want to see this Christ-likeness in my life. To activate the power of the gospel, we need to bring the centrality of faith as well. Romans 1.17 For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. 62 times in the book of Romans, we read the word faith. 66 times we read the word righteousness. No one can fix you. No one can fix your spouse. No one can change another person. But if this person believes in the gospel, the righteousness of God is imputed. And that righteousness grows inside and changes that person. Romans 1.5 Through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about obedience of faith. Say with me, obedience, obedience. Of, faith. of faith. For the sake of His name among all the nations. The grace was meant to lead us from the lost position into a faith position. A faith that saves. A faith that transforms. A faith that grows. John 3.18 Whoever believes in Him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. The only sin... That condemns people to eternal damnation. It's not immorality. It's not murder. It's not lie or slandering. All this is horrible, bad. Don't do it. But this will not condemn a person ultimately. But unbelief is the problem. It is so good. So amazing. It is there available for everyone. But you have to... Hold it, embrace it with the arms of faith. Romans 3, 22. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have seen and fall short of the glory of God. And are justified by His grace as a gift. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God put forward. As a propitiation, a payment, by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness. Because in His divine forbearance, His patience, He had passed over former sins. He was to show His righteousness at the present time, so that He might be just 
and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Let me close my message with a question. What are we going to do with this gospel? What are we going to do with this good news? What are we going to do? All right. Let me invite you to stand up this morning, please. For those that are listening to this message first time, and I know I may speak for someone watching us later or listening to us through the podcast, or maybe you are visiting us, and you are listening the gospel, that by faith, you can be made right before God. For you... The conclusion of my message is in Romans chapter 10. What does we say? Romans 10 verse 8. The word is near you. In your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith. That you just listened. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, Everyone who believes in Him will not be put to shame. There is no distinction. Greek, Jew, rich, poor. Everyone, verse 13, Who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 